You're listening to Once, episode 139, Quiet Minds. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. We're happy that you've joined us as we discuss this episode, Quiet Minds. And we'll get to that big, overwhelming issue that was raised in this episode later on. We're going to save <laughs> some of that. So don't start thinking, oh, you're not talking about this issue. We're going to save that, Neil's death, for later on in the episode when Hunter and Jacqueline can join us for that conversation because mm-hmm. we will really want to get everyone involved in what this means for the show, what are some of the theories about this, the reactions, the fan reactions, which there are a lot of fan reactions there. So we want to give it that respect of discussing it fully, and we'll be doing that then later on. So hold on to that don't think that we're skipping it well we are but we're saving it for later on but let's start our discussion about this episode the tearjerker that it is in the past it realistically this episode only had a few scenes in the past and it starts out with bell and neil in rumpelstiltskin's castle and one of the beautiful things that came out here was what bell was saying in this room there remember this Remember episode Skin Deep from the first season and Belle in that room in the Great Hall there with Rumpelstiltskin when they had their little talk and she (laughs) said, you're not a monster Mm -hmm. and all of that. It's in the same room now that Belle and Neil are when Belle says, I love him, all of him, even even the parts that belong to the darkness. Well, let's be honest, that is kind of the main room of the entire castle. But yeah, that's... uh, I didn't... I almost didn't know how to feel about that statement of hers. But I think I got the the general. I was like, you you love the darkness? But no, I don't think so. I don't think that's what she meant. Right, it's her saying that she has a complete love for him. It's like unconditional love, Mm -hmm. which is that you love someone enough that you love them despite all of their problems yeah and their darknesses and everything else yeah you don't necessarily love somebody's flaws but you love them with all their flaws included right and their picture is a beautiful picture of that that she has hope in in changing him in the good that's in him somewhere buried in him Mm mm-hmm But Emma has this necklace or had this necklace that now Neil has and he kept and uh, as a little piece. And I thought we'd seen her wearing this necklace before recently, like in New York. I could have sworn you pointed out or someone pointed out that, hey, look, Emma's still wearing her necklace in New York. Yeah. So it was a little strange. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to point out that I, for some reason, am fascinated by the way Bell says "weech," <laughs> the "weech," the wicked "weech." I don't know. I don't know. How to say it. it was just I liked it. <laughs> that that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but speaking of necklaces and wearing things, her costume. <laughs> it was. Is there a name for that style? 
Bells um, or the Wicked bells. Witch? No, Bells. No, the Wicked Witches is just Wicked. That's the style. It's in the style <laughs> of Wicked. Is it? I don't know what Bells maybe, would be. It's the style of, I don't care what the weather outside is. I like wearing shorts. It's You mean the style of, I don't care what they're going to say. And the cold never bothered me anyway. Because <laughs> those pants probably made her cold. That's all I'm thinking about that. Yeah, once I noticed it too, I kept thinking, man, she must be cold. <laughs> Apparently I'm a really bad female co-host because I didn't even really notice what she was wearing. <gasps> Whoa, my goodness. That's I- I'm going to need to take your girl card. Is that a thing? I don't know. Well, Erin, maybe you were more distracted by the necklace. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I did. I liked that we saw the necklace again. I haven't noticed it on Emma before. If I did, I might have overlooked it just because it would make sense for her to have it in New York if she forgot everything. Like if everything went back, she would have never given it back to Neil. So she would still have it from when he originally gave it to her in the episode Tallahassee. Hmm. But I don't know why she would have it there. Like that was never covered before. So I am interested to know if if that was a continuity error. But I'm glad that they brought it up again and that Neil has it and that Belle said it was a form of true love and that's why, or formed in true love and that's why he still has it and that's why it survived the curse. So I do wonder if it's going to come into play later or if it's just... Mm. It was just something sentimental at the end, and that's why they brought it back in this episode. But we do know that some items like that might be powerful in some ways from other shows that are spinoffs of this one. (laughs) Yeah, it could have some kind of magical property to it because it's been through the curse, this new curse. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) But really, I think the reason that it was brought up was to bring some closure to the Neil relationship and and make the whole uh, loss of Neil a lot more painful by reminding us of these certain things like this. Mm, yes, thanks yeah. for for that setup, guys. <laughs> Aw, uh, Neil. During this scene, we first saw the actual key to the Vault of the Dark One. And I liked that by the time we saw this scene, we had already seen the symbol burned into Neil's hand. So we kind of recognized it. I liked seeing things a little bit out of order like that. Yeah. And in the book that was holding this key, by the way, was uh, on the outside of the, it was this weird language and a picture. And I didn't have to do too much research on this because... Our listener, Joel, did some research for us and discovered that this symbol that was on the outside and the text is connected to the abracus, abracus, what? on uh, the book. Joel said, <laughs> thought this was interesting, so I thought I would pass it along. The image on the front of the Dark One's book that Belle and Neil find in Rumpel's castle is an image of an abracus. What is this word? Abraxis. 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 There we go. How do you spell it? A B R A X E A S. Sorry, at the end. And we'll have a link to this in the show notes with more information. But uh, he said Abraxis 
was a deity from the Greco-Roman era whose origin whose origins are a bit unknown. Here's a description pulled off of Wikipedia. The whole represents the supreme being with his five great emanations, each one pointed out by means of an expressive emblem, thus from the human body, the usual form assigned to the deity, for as much as it is written that God created man in his own image, issue the two supporters, Nuis and Logos, symbols <laughs> of the inner sense and the quickening understanding as type typified by the spirits for the same reason that had induced the old Greeks to assign the reptile for an aperture. You know, just read this. This has so many words I'm stumbling over. <laughs> this is not actually amazing. a text from Wikipedia. It's a text that's quoted in Wikipedia or else it would be have uh, all sorts of notes Human on it. Needs readable? better grammar. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> if you've ever edited Wikipedia articles. <laughs> yeah, so this uh, is... <laughs> It's the same picture, and it's the same text, this uh, text that I couldn't really translate to anything other than maybe the last word could kind of come out to, uh, at least running it through Google Translate came out to bring, but there's more okay. information about this. If you go to the show notes for this episode, number 139, you'll be able to get that link to learn more about Abraxas. Hmm. Interesting. Did you come to any conclusion from that research just that was again more uh somewhat greek mythology not okay. directly greek mythology oh, but kind of like cousin to greek mythology sure. so <laughs> a bit more roman influence as well with it and it doesn't just mean a color like zelina right <laughs> you know speaking of zelina she seems to just every time she comments or encounters another character at all she seems to make some sort of comment to elevate herself above them somehow or really run them into the ground because it doesn't so much elevate her, but she just, you know, what she says about Neil and Bell and <laughs> <laughs> some of her choice words about them. Dumber than a box of hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she does that, you know, the dress looks better on me and that kind of thing just speaks to she's, her character. She's very insecure, obviously. Yeah. Yeah insecure and that's what people are when they treat other people like Mm -hmm. that uh i thought it was incorrect of her to say what she said about bell just because bell was suspicious like we could tell that she was suspicious when she first met lumiere and that she was questioning him and then you know at the end it turns out she put two and two together and came up with four so it was (laughs) Like, definitely also uncalled for mm-hmm. yeah, breaking she, down of characters. She definitely came up with less than 200. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was really cool to see Lumiere here in the castle. Yeah. A nice uh, nod from the original, or the, the Disney story, that is. That but I, I find myself troubled by how short the candles are as though they've been burned down a lot and i wonder can his candles be replaced or does he just (laughs) die when one of the candles or all of the candles run out of wax Hmm. i don't know what it's like to live as a candle (laughs) they become like what did she say she was going to turn him into stamps on a letter or something (laughs) a seal on an envelope seal on an envelope (laughs) 
So a that's what happens, seal. Jeremy. Sorry. Sorry it about that. It would be a way to possibly see the world. I wish that he said something like, oh, be my guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have been rather clever, I must say. I liked, I liked that they used Lumiere because that was a, an easy idea, I guess, or a good idea. But his character himself was more like um, the clock in Beauty and the Beast. Like, Lumiere was always the mm. like fun one who disobeyed the beast and just did whatever he wanted. And uh, is it Cogsworth yeah. was mm-hmm. the like serious one who, okay, we got to do this. We got to follow the rules. So he was more like that. But they were both like, even his story was very different from the Disney version of Beauty yeah, and the for Beast. Sure. So it uh, makes sense, I guess, that he had to be changed a little bit to go with the story. Now this idea of the the vault of the dark one you know seriously disappointed me how they did this i was expecting when i heard the vault of the dark one i thought oh this is going to be so cool yeah this will probably be top on my episode list to get to see where the dark one originally came from and it's a a tar-filled hole in the middle of a field i think that it wouldn't have been disappointing honestly with what they did i was rather impressed I thought it was a pretty well done, well shot scene, except that they called it, they kept saying the entrance to the vault of the Dark One. That's true. Like an entrance would indicate that one can enter this vault, which may be true, but doesn't seem to be the case from this. So if they had just sort of reworded it and set our expectations differently, we might not have been expecting more than what they gave us. It reminds me a lot of the dragon from selfless brave and true where it's this thing that it suddenly seemed like whoa there's someone outside of storybrook that can do magic and he's really powerful and (laughs) oh he's gone and we'll probably never see him again we'll probably never hear his backstory this was uh some people call it jumping the shark a little bit no 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 jumping the shark I know. It's is doing the most ridiculous thing you could ever possibly do. The dragon was almost that. Season two was almost that. That's why we hardly speak of season two. Because that typically means the show is washed up worthless. No more uh no more good can come of this. Um Yes. So I, I don't think it was that at all. I think they just shouldn't have called it the entrance. And I think we could see it again for one reason or another. Maybe but. I'm. I'm. I think the the whole concept here of bringing him back instead of creating something totally new and evil was a little fuzzy. Yeah, they brought him back without even without any little no artifact, no blood magic, no this, no that to sort of tie it and say no, this dark one is the one they want to bring back. Like, why didn't it just create a new one? Well, it brought back the last dark one. (laughs) Although there is... Did it do both? There Mm. is a plot problem Mm. here. Mm. And the Golden Key pointed this out in our forums, saying, back in Season 1, Episode 19, The Return, Blue clearly tells Balefire that what ails his father isn't from this world. Meaning the Dark Curse isn't from the Enchanted Forest. Right. She did say that. I never was comfortable with that description, really. Or if I was, I expected more to be made of it. Mm-hmm. I did wonder about the um, 
vault door, the symbols on it looked really familiar. I couldn't, I don't know if it was from once or if it was just kind of a familiar thing, but I wondered if some of them were from the episode Hat Trick, where we first saw Jefferson go to Wonderland, I think was Hat Trick, and there were all the different doors. So I don't know if... um Interesting. If anyone wrote in about that, but um, I was wondering if they were similar symbols and that that could kind of be how they fixed that problem you just mentioned, that maybe that door was a door to another world. Yeah. And it could also be that this door was placed here by aliens. I mean, by someone not from <laughs> this world. It could have been. And the black goo that uh, Mulder and Scully, I mean, that Neil and Bell <laughs> found. <laughs> Uh, sorry i'm getting stuff mixed too many voices too many voices yeah i mean and then he opened the vault and that black stuff came out and killed tasha yar oh i mean oh it was a a pointless death (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) um the symbols though uh those are actual symbols for common symbols to certain forms of witchcraft and magic like the the pentagram is one of those a triangle that was on there yeah Creepy. um there are several the all-seeing eye is one of them on there there's also uh i think they call it a trinity symbol but there are several symbols on this that are associated with uh, paganism or certain magic certain practices of magic or witchcraft all on this so it's kind really of creepy to me what i got yeah. from that was this is the combination of all of these dark arts of magic represented in one being the dark one. That's really yikes. That's really well, yikes. Well, he is the dark one. Yeah. yeah. Now I feel like he needs to stop being that somehow because that's just creepy. And I'll have a screenshot of that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 139 so you can check that out. But yeah, it's, that's the basic summary of each of the symbols. We could get into what each of them actually mean, but that's that's getting a little too, de- too detailed for now. <laughs> it was neat to hear when Neil and Belle were in the forest walking to this uh, disappointing vault that <laughs> Rumpel didn't actually die for everyone, but he died for his family. Yeah, I th- this was one of those moments... Once in a while, once upon a time does this, where they draw this very strange line in the sand, or however you <laughs> want to put it, and they're, they, they'll they pull a point out of nowhere and just sort of highlight it. And you're like, like, like they took a sentence and highlighted the word the, and it's like, oh, it's about this word. Well, why? I don't, he, he kind of did all of that. Are they saying he would not have saved the people of the town if his family was safe? Maybe that's true. I don't think it's as noble. Yeah. And maybe he would have. I don't know. I'm not sure. It was, it was, I think I get the point they were trying to work themselves around to, but it was kind of a weird way to get there. I think also they were like, it was kind of reflecting of what Neil was saying that he really wanted to get back to his family. And I think maybe they were just trying to tie that, the idea of how important their families are to them um like so important that neil you know was willing to do what he did despite that he maybe should have known better from his past dealings with magic so maybe they were just trying to 
to to draw a parallel there between Rumpel and Neil. Most likely. I think and that's that usually motivations. how these things start is trying to draw a particular parallel. And sometimes just the way they get there is a little windy, but it works. <laughs> well, and speaking of nobility, there's an issue here of uh, of Neil's nobility in this because he's saying that he's willing to do anything to get back to his son even if it means, though, in this case, just like his father. Even if it turns him green. <laughs> sacrificing the well-being of everyone else by risking this. Now, he's not openly sacrificing. He's taking a risk. But uh, Rumpelstiltskin, though, knew exactly what he was doing with the mm-hmm. Dark Curse just to get his son. And it seems really a little bit selfish of Neil. Well, yeah, Bell tried to warn him. And the ironic thing there is that yeah, he says, you know, whatever. Who cares about the price? Well, the price is not getting what you want, you know, in a sense, because he wants to get yeah. back to his family, and then he really didn't get to. So, uh, you know, yeah. There, there's but, a there's a very simple moral there, I guess. It's just um, don't ever take- say I don't care what the cost is. Yeah, because look at his history. Like he tries to save his father. And ends up losing him. Like, that's how he ended up in our world in the first place, right? That was the cost. That's true. And then he, you know, tries to, I'm trying to think of his other dealings with magic. But he, you know, he sacrifices himself uh, for the darlings when they're going Mm. to be taken to Neverland. And that ends up backfiring, too, like he learns in hindsight. So I, I just feel like he should know that magic always comes with a price and that the price is not something that you're always willing to pay no matter what. Hmm. (laughs) True. Yeah. And then coming back to their awakening, the dark blob, (laughs) (laughs) they, they gave us a number here that there's a lot in this episode that I think really feels like uh, they, they broke Canon in many different ways. And one of those is Bell saying the library was about 30 years old. Yes. See, I couldn't, I, I really didn't take the time, but it bugged me. It's bugged me since I heard it. I was like, eh, I feel like we saw the library before you knew her. Right. Did we not? We've seen the library a few times. We have, but I can't remember if any of it was absolutely before he met her. Because he met right. her and then she was gone. You know, Regina even, had her. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Even if even if the library was built for her, it would have been more than 30 years ago because by didn't somebody counted the ticks in her jail cell? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, that'd be and it was like she, Regina had her for like five years or something. Three and a half years. Was okay, three and a half. Of the ticks that I could count, it was three and a half years. Okay, and so also, three and a half would round to 35, so... Uh, She's still wrong. (laughs) And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it still is a bit odd. Was, okay. We're, we're starting to get a little rusty. Was, was that an actual plot point in one of the episodes that he made it for her or did he just introduce her to the library? Cause Mm -hmm. I think that's what I remember. It's just, Hey, look, Belle, there's this library that I have. You're welcome to read books. Yeah, that's the other thing about this is that she said he made it for her. 
But the chat room saying that it was built for her and that was shown in Lacey. Well, yeah, we've seen the library in several episodes. Yeah, I just don't remember it being said. But mm-hmm. that must just be a memory lapse on my part. I don't remember either. It was season two, though. So. <laughs> well, that's why, guys. It, uh, things get hazy. You guys are being so negative on the season two. Well, I mean, no, it was all bad, but it had a lot of... It had all the bad that could have been in season three in it as well. <laughs> My favorite two episodes of the show are both in season two, so I have nothing against oh, season two. Oh, well, okay. That's good. Yeah, I actually liked a lot of season two I as well. I did, too. Just, I didn't have... You know, we know. We've discussed... Well, anyway, then, uh, one of the things I noticed was Rumpelstiltskin's costume when he came out. It wasn't all flary and... Um, and deary. Uh, yeah. It wasn't all decorative he was like some of his others have been hmm. and fancy in that way. But it seemed like a very evil costume. Uh, that makes sense. Like, very dark and menacing. Yeah. Dark one. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, he's probably... He's got a little bit... I mean, remember the one that he took the dagger from Yeah, was a bit more menacing. I think that's just Rumpel's personality to be kind of, dare I say, flamboyant. It's kind of like his evening gown, in a way. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> or his formal gown. That's what I mean. <laughs> oh, my. Which one? The darker appearance? or yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Possibly best line of the episode, by the way, was Zelina yelling, You're going to regret this, Candle! <laughs> Think about what you just said. You just threatened a candle. Yeah, like he's already cursed as a candle. What more <laughs> could she really do to him? Oh, by the way, the library thing, mm-hmm. it was in the episode The Doctor. Okay. Where we saw Regina as a new student of Rumpelstiltskin, still struggling with her affection for Daniel, who is dead. And Jefferson came in. This is the whole scene where Jefferson brought the crystal ball. Rumpel asked about the slippers. Yes. And all of this. And Jefferson said, pardon the intrusion. I couldn't help. <laughs> that whole thing. Okay. You know, what, you know what scene I'm talking about now? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That happened in the library. Isn't that where mm, long yes, before Bell? From. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was long before Bell. Was it? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, because Regina was just freshly training. Was it Rumpel. a library at that time, or was it just sort of his upstairs labish thing? It was a library, and in okay. fact, I will put a screenshot in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash one. Thirty-nine. And which which season? Remind me which season. This was, was season two. Was season two. Okay. Uh, the doctor was in season two, but I'm also thinking that the library might have been where we saw Rumpelstiltskin give the bow to Snow in order to shoot the Queen in the episode Heart of Darkness. Yes, it was. Yeah, it's so, always been in that main room, as far as I know. Most of the stuff in his castle. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, nice job, Bell, but. Rumpel didn't actually build it for you. <laughs> Maybe that's just she's big head. Maybe that, <laughs> or or we'll double check the timeline. This is mine. You know. This is mine. This is mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's Alina. I I like that this time Rumpel did sacrifice his powers for his son because before yeah. we've seen him. Yeah, the dagger specifically. Yeah, he threw it away, which so. 
Mm. It's probably not popular. I don't know. And we'll talk more about it later. I, but throughout, I'm looking at things that were done because I have two opposing thoughts on Neil. You know, obviously it sure looks like he's dead, but I also have another thought that there were hints that maybe he w- became the dark one. So throughout the episode, I've I've kind of made notes of one thing or the other. I would say Rumple giving up the dagger for Neil kind of brings a lot of things about their story full circle and is on the closure side. But I have some yeah. other things on both sides mm. that I'll point out as we go. And maybe I'm alone in my theorizing in that direction, but we'll see. <laughs> time will tell. Probably not much time. Well, maybe it will be another 300 years. Maybe. <laughs> do you, what do you think season 303 will be like? <laughs> well, one of the, uh, we got a couple pieces of feedback related to Rumpelstiltskin's resurrection here. And, well, one of the big things here that we've talked about is dead is dead. And when the series breaks that, except for Wonderland. Yes. And they're explaining how they're breaking it over there. So that's if, fine. If. if Spoiler if, alert. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> Wonderlandpodcast.com. There's one episode left. And it's tomorrow night when we're listening. Yes, it is. Uh, it'll be tonight <laughs> by the time that you might be listening or it might whenever. But <laughs> Time is irrelevant. One idea is uh, Sharon sent in an idea. She called this in suggesting that instead of Rumpel actually killing himself, maybe by his using the dagger to basically kill himself there was no body so no death but maybe it caused his consciousness to go into this sort of limbo and drift around and so all that they needed was a body and the that tar pit could create a body or what it captured his consciousness or something like that Mm, because the dagger yeah Uh. the dagger and the dark one so that's one idea. The other idea here is uh, Dark One's number one fan sent in this feedback saying... <laughs> Which is so creepy, by the way. I mean, I'm sure you're a great person, but you are the Dark One's number one fan. And you're probably great with kids, too. <laughs> uh, they said, so I'm, not, so I'm sure some people are calling out on Rumpel's resurrection because it breaks one of the laws of magic of not being able to bring back the dead. However, I believe you can legitimize Rumpel's resurrection with magic by thinking of it from this angle. As the episode says many times, Rumpel is the dark one. He is the living embodiment of all things dark and evil throughout the realms. Even if Rumpel is not the dark one and evil himself anymore. However, darkness cannot be destroyed for it is part of the natural balance of the universe. This is where it starts getting a little mystical. Good and evil, light and dark. So if we see Rumpel's resurrection as just magic restoring the balance, and since Rumpel is still the dark one, the magic can restore him. Just my wild thoughts. Also, the magic did come with a price, so that works too. Hmm. Well, you know, he did disappear, like we keep saying, rather than just being there and dying. And it's not as if, okay, Rumpel died, and then two years later... They decided to bring him back. This was, you know, not the immediate next episode, but they clearly had these events planned when they did the finale or the mid-season finale. So this was what it was all along. 
if that makes sense. They're not taking a prior story and twisting it so they can bring him back. This is just what they intended to do. They set up a cliffhanger, and then they brought him back. It was, you know, so however you want to look at it, I think, even though Bell called it a resurrection, I think the main point is that he wasn't, he was gone. He was not dead, dead. He wasn't the dead that dead is. Right. <laughs> and we've we've already seen something, even though it hasn't been explained, we have seen something similar to this in that Philip was taken by the wraith. Yeah. And then there's no body, but now he's back. So I like I have no problem with Rumple being back, like as far as breaking their own rules goes, because because they didn't. They just haven't fully explained it yet, which is fine and hopefully they will <laughs> yeah um and i i actually really like that they didn't automatically explain it in the first episode back that yeah. it that made me happy too so i really like the writing in this like i like this storyline i will have a problem if they kill a character that is legitimately dead and then bring them back yes because mm-hmm. they're breaking their own rules you know what's interesting, now that you say, you mentioned Philip, I had theorized at one point that because his disappearance and reappearance was so similar to what apparently was the case with Rumple, I thought Zelina might have had something to do with both, but clearly the two events are not related. So we still don't know why Philip is around. I'm fine with think- him being around, but I still don't know why he is. <laughs> I still think Zelina could have had something to do with it, though. Oh, yeah. I think so. somehow she's gotten their loyalty. Right. Yeah. Or something maybe like loyalty that. is the wrong word. But. Yeah. Something. She has something over them. And their obedience. Just, yeah. And now she has the dagger over them. Which Jacqueline uh, gave me a note that uh, <laughs> why did Rumple not just give the dagger to Belle? Oh. That would be the how it should have ended for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then Belle was like, now kill her. (laughs) Except maybe she wouldn't. But mm, yeah, that would have been a good... Yeah, just throw the dagger the other way, Rumple. Yeah. Yes, you can have everything. If I may reference some (laughs) early days of Regina. Maybe you just aren't thinking clearly when you first come out of a pit of tar. And while you're absorbing your dying son. Yeah, yeah true. Right. True. <laughs> yeah, so that was weird that he absorbed him and immediately said Some no kind room. Absorbaloff. Yeah, and he's all going crazy. No room for just two. All this time when he before when he said all the voices in my head and the first time we watched this episode and he said no room in storybook timeline. Uh, he was saying, no room, no room. I, I was thinking that there were many personalities. In yeah. Him, but no, it's just two. Uh, well, I... Well, okay. So He's also both, so that's three. He's got his voice. The way he was talking, he's kind of got Dark One version of him, maybe. I'm stretching slightly, especially in, in the next few seconds. Uh, then he's got Neil. And then maybe he's got Dark One Neil. Hmm? maybe okay yeah maybe so that would be four that would be a lot for one head i think two would be a lot but i think that it wouldn't be as plural even even more like he's got 
he as the dark one, he kind of already has two, right? Because he has Rumpelstiltskin, and then he has the dark one, which we know is a conflict just based on flashbacks when he's interacting with Neil and when he's interacting with Belle. And then plus he has Mr. Gold or whatever his cursed storybook self is now. And then plus Neil. So, and he's already a little crazy. So, you know, he is. doesn't surprise me. Between the Madison Fiends, <laughs> all the voices inside my head. <laughs> be quiet when I'm dead. dead. Every time okay, I, hear that, I don't expect it to uh, to end with when I'm dead. <laughs> More like when you're dead. When she's dead, yeah. When she's dead, yeah. Ooh. I'm not a fan of Zelina. I just want to put that out there. Mm. I don't. So you like her less than Leroy likes bacon. <laughs> yes. To put it mildly, I, I'm usually not a huge. Uh, I don't usually dislike the villains because they make the story go. But <laughs> I don't. I don't like her at all. I oh. have absolutely no use for her. I like her as a villain. Because yeah, I guess that's the point. <laughs> I, I, she, and I hope this lasts for a little while. She feels like an actual villain. I know they don't like black and white. Well, Pan was an actual villain too. That's true. Yeah, Cora was an actual like, villain. Okay, okay. That's I didn't fine. like him either. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're doing they're doing a good job with those people. And <laughs> now that we're not waffling on the Regina thing, I like her a lot better too i liked i liked evil queen i like redeemed regina the, the in-between was a little rough mm. for me <laughs> season two but <laughs> 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 yeah but no i i i agree i think i'm liking the whole sometimes she's the wicked witch and sometimes she's the psychotic midwife <laughs> that's what i call her now psychotic midwife just when snow opens the door and she's like i brought groceries and i got here really really fast and i'm wearing a hat that makes me look like the wicked witch (laughs) (laughs) well before we start talking about story work i want to thank some people who helped make this episode of one's podcast possible with your kind donations steve johnson david newland and lisa slack thank you so much for donating to one's podcast they each of these are subscribers so they they choose to send a donation automatically every month and that really helps us out because the podcast has automatic ongoing monthly expenses and we really appreciate every donation so thank you thank you thank you steve david and lisa thank you and if you would like to donate for one episode or an automatic ongoing monthly donation you can go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor or start a website over at oncepodcast.com slash bluehost you get unlimited hosting unlimited bandwidth, unlimited websites on this. So you could have a website to chronicle each of the dark ones. It could be something like day one, came out of goo today, feeling a little bit drowsy. Day two, uh, too many voices. Day three, you could do that or you could write a blog of your own personal life. You could have an online store. You could have many different websites all under one simple hosting plan that only costs a few dollars per month. Check it out at oncepodcast.com slash bluehost. So now on to Storybrooke timeline as uh, we're starting out 
in the diner. Now, just before we get into everything, one of the things that kind of interlaces with everything here to help clarify after rewatching this episode, it now made total sense of the switches between Neil and Rumple yes. in different places. So let me give you a brief timeline Ooh, of how this like happened. Timeline. You we get a timeline. As previously established. <laughs> First, Neil broke out of Zelina's farm. Mm-hmm. Which, Be- between the two of them, he's not the one I would have expected to break out. Yeah. Well, he's not the one with the magic. Just and, saying. And, you know, between the two of them, Neil is not the one who I expected to hold it together. Because he's right. not powerful like the Dark One is. Right. I would have thought that Neil would be the one struggling and Rumpel would be powerful yeah. and controlled. Yeah, why weren't there voices in his head? Yeah. <laughs> but so Neil is the one that broke out. Zelina said that Neil staged the, the mm-hmm. coup or the, the escape there. So Neil broke out. But then the first time that we see Rumpel in this episode, Rumpel is running to escape Zelina's farm. Right. Along the way, he runs into Storybrooke, at some point becomes Neil breaks into Mr. Gold's shop. Neil is taken to the hospital. Then Neil leaves the hospital after Hook lets him leave 10 minutes before the alarm goes off that he's escaped. (laughs) This makes it sound like a prison. The Neil alarm. (laughs) And then while he's in the woods looking for Rumpelstiltskin, he turns into Rumpelstiltskin. Right. That's when David and Emma find him. Mm -hmm. Then he runs off after the flying monkey. The beautiful one. And <laughs> and then while he's run off and Emma is trying to find him, he turns back into Neil, walking around looking for Rumple. That's when Emma finds then Neil. And then that's when Emma, after they do some talking, that's when Emma then splits Neil and uh, Rumpelstiltskin. Because he was both. <laughs> yeah. So now watching it again, it does make sense. Yeah, I thought, well, I yeah. didn't really have a problem with that too much. I. The thing that I had a problem with that I still have a problem with is when Zelina was trying to summon Rumple, and it didn't work. The next scene shows Rumple running, and I don't understand if he was Rumple, why he wasn't summoned. Well, it didn't work because it was the power of the Dark One. Yes. And it didn't work because Neil was preventing it from working. Even though he looked fully like Rumpel. He looked like Mr. Gold. Okay. But, but yeah. Yeah. It's, there were too many voices in his head. <laughs> maybe one of those voices, maybe here's the thing. One of those voices is Zelina's telling him what to do. <laughs> and he just can't function with two voices in his head telling him what and to do. And one of them is the beautiful one monkey. <laughs> chasing him and screeching so that's a lot of voices now i actually feel like maybe zelina is getting played by rumpelstiltskin a little bit so i will talk about that later but that could be an explanation as well speaking of an explanation bacon (laughs) bacon it explains everything it explains a lot Uh, you know what i loved about the scene in the diner emma sounded like me <laughs> she was being so snarky they're they're suggesting all these places and she's like yeah because dead men love vacation homes <laughs> like that sounds like something i'd say if they were all just definitely going to all these places to check where he might have gone and then the other thing is she says neil well we don't know what he is i thought there were a lot of clever little hints throughout that look watching it a second time you realize they were hinting at what was really going on. We just couldn't really see it. Right. Because whoever 
would have expected what actually happened. Not I. Not I either. The idea of one character being absorbed by another just never crossed my mind. Which is funny because they are both. (laughs) True. (laughs) But they didn't. Yeah, there wasn't an actual person just kind of go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Zelina is trying to summon Rumple, one thing that I noticed is where Zelina was standing, Mm -hmm. I think might have been really close to where Flynn and Owen camped out. Right. Because when they woke up after the big storm and they looked out, they were looking out at a similar perspective from there. Yeah. This could also be kind of close to where the well is, where uh, Pan enacted his curse and you know a yeah. lot of things have happened at that well. The wooded locations around Storybrooke are a little confusing. I don't know how they ever find their way anywhere. <laughs> and they get there so darn fast. Well, they're magical. That's why. Well, sword okay. and a Ford. <laughs> yes. Yes, sword and a Ford, and we'll see if another hashtag emerges. At least Psychotic Midwife has emerged from this episode. (laughs) Zelina called one of her monkeys Beautiful One, which was really weird. Like I said, does she still see Walsh when she looks at that monkey, or does she just have a thing for razor-sharp teeth? (laughs) It could be something weird, like maybe this was someone she had some romantic relationship with, and then she turned them into a flying monkey because she wanted them to become one of her minions. Like, remember what happened to little John when he became the flying monkey? He didn't know who he was, but he flew off presumably flying to the service of the queen. Maybe he flapped in peace. (laughs) Maybe that she just doesn't have any friends. So she makes up pet names for her monkeys. (laughs) Yeah, that could be. Maybe we should keep track of, okay, that's the beautiful one. That's the ugly one. That's the funny one. That's the grumpy one. That's the sleepy one. That's the sneezy one. So-and-so. What's his face? (laughs) If one of the dwarfs was named the beautiful one, then that would be like, that's the dwarf. But No, his pickaxe just says beautiful. (laughs) This is sleepy, grumpy, happy, sneezy, beauty. (laughs) he's a fashion designer oh my gosh we can stop there (laughs) as everyone goes to tell the news to bell i thought there was this nice little interaction between bell and hook because it reminded us of season two yeah hook tried to kill her twice thank you thank you thank you I, I would like to think that I had some part in this acknowledgement because what has, what have I said every single time up until this year that someone has tried to say how much they like Hook, but he tried to kill Belle. So, twice. Yeah, I didn't even think about it as being twice. I guess the other time was in Storybrooke, yes, with Cora? Yeah. When yeah. he kind of got tossed into the bookcase. And, and on the boat when she, like, pushed the—it was awesome. She, like, pushed the thing in the roof and hit him in the head and knocked him out when they were in the cloaked boat, and she saved Archie. Well, it was in Regina's Tower the first time. Well, yeah, I remember. That's the one I always think of, because, yeah. So you're saying the second one was there in the boat? Well, in the library, there was, like, a 
kerfuffle as well. Oh, yeah. Ooh, kerfuffle. And then so- he, he got her and brought her. That was when we started shipping Hook with the floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he – oh, no. And then she found the boat and he found her in it. And, yeah, then she ended up mm. saving Archie. So I think that was in Cricket Game. Well, in, in his defense, those were <laughs> extenuating circumstances. Uh, sorry sorry (laughs) sorry yeah that wouldn't that was not a good worthy apology what do you think bell was thinking in this scene because i thought she was hard to read she seemed almost sad but she was looking i wasn't even sure what she was doing i thought she just wouldn't look at them at first but she was looking at the gold straw that he had or the the gold that he had spun from straw. So, but I I was I thought should she be happier, or does she still not know what to think? I mean, it's probably kind of a lot to take in seeing him die, and then like two days ago, yeah, and then knowing that you've lost a year but you don't remember it, and so maybe she was reservedly hopeful. Yeah, it's processing a lot of emotions just all coming at her like Mm -hmm. a tidal wave and there's hope potentially joy but also sorrow and the the anxiousness of uh the situation Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's just all hitting her and she doesn't really know what to feel quite yet yeah i don't understand why snow couldn't have also stayed with bell and hook which would have left her with greater protection than her being (laughs) at home alone slash with the psychotic midwife, even though she's the best tracker there. Yeah. True. (laughs) Cause she, I'm sure as a pregnant woman can still read. So like, I didn't understand that. Like, I know it's just cause they needed her to be with Zelina, but (laughs) right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And maybe, Maybe that's safer than being out in the street with who knows who, supposedly. Because, you know, it hasn't really occurred to them that the one woman they've met since coming back to Storybrooke might actually be the witch. Right. (laughs) Or that she might want the baby for some reason. Or wish harm upon it. Should she learn that from Rumpel somehow? What what's with the firstborn thing? Well, she claims to have been trained by Rumble. And it's not her I, firstborn. I still no, it's not. That's true. Um, I still don't know if I understand why Rumple made deals for babies early on. Should I understand that? Just because it's the original fairy tale, maybe. I guess. Trying to get either Emma or trying to get true love. Yeah, I'm thinking of Cinderella at this point. So it's just something to think about because we have Zelina apparently after Snow's baby and and there's the whole tie to Rumple and he kind of used to make those sorts of deals. So I wonder if we'll see a little bit more of the missing pieces, what few there are on Rumple along with all this. I still wonder if Snow's baby, Snow and Charming's baby is the key to the new curse, the savior of the new curse. I think just so. Because it would be exactly... You know, it would mirror the old curse, and that could be why she wants the baby. Interesting. Yeah, and Zelina probably wanted Rumple in the first place to be able to enact this new curse. 
because she couldn't enact it by herself. She wouldn't know how to. So that's why she needed him among probably other things. But speaking of Rumpel, Rumpel slash Neil breaks into Gold's shop. And when he does, (laughs) I kept listening to this. Mm -hmm. And when we hear him pounding on the door. Yeah. It sounds like Rumpel to me. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So I wonder if the transformation happened right outside the door. I don't know. But what I noticed about the dialogue was that they hear the pounding and Bell says, that's him. That's Rumpel. And then Neil comes in. And of course, later on, looking back, we realize, oh, she was right. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) true. Then we get the nice little breakfast talk with Emma and Henry. Henry dissing Granny's bagels, so I guess we can't ship him with Granny's bagels. <laughs> well, you know, the thing about the bagels, I wondered, of course, I did research about bagels. Okay. <laughs> and he didn't like that bagel, and Emma said, well, we're not in Manhattan. So I looked up, there is a company called Manhattan Bagels. Well, of course there is. And yeah, you can check them out, manhattanbagel.com. And I wonder if maybe this is just a nod to one of the cast crew writers. Somebody loves Manhattan Bagel, and that's the only place they'll eat bagels. (laughs) I couldn't find anything actually (laughs) conclusive on that. I don't know if it has to be the name Manhattan Bagel. I assume there are lots of small shops and things in Manhattan that have really good bagels. They they, they tend to do gourmet everything there, I think, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Somewhere. And whereas Granny's, you know, she probably she probably orders it and 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 thaws it out, you know. <laughs> but you know, she does the best she can and she has branded paper bags, which is pretty good for such a small business, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Henry was reading among I couldn't quite read what he was writing, but one of his books was Primitive Art. And I couldn't tell what the book was that was open and the thing that he was writing down. But I like their relationship that they have. Emma and Henry have this this trust where he he outright brings it out that no, he he suspects something is going on, but he's still going to be obedient and respectful. And then at the end, Emma asks him, can you just trust that I'm doing what's best? And he says, yes, I can. So I like how how much he is trusting her. And it makes me think that at some point, that's going to be severely tr- tested. Hmm. Like yeah. Emma is going to try to explain everything to him, thinking, you know, you've, you trust me. You say you trust me. You say you believe me. I need to tell you what's going on. She tells him, and then he goes, wacko. Oh, maybe goes to the dark side, maybe runs to Zelina, (laughs) says my mother's crazy. She's saying all these things. Maybe runs to Regina. Regina. Yeah. Regina. Yeah. Uh, I what's interesting is that he knows she's not being honest, but he's he doesn't have all that baggage of the past and people lying to him. So he's just kind of like, okay, be cool if you'd be honest with me, mom. But you know, I trust you. Whereas in the past, it was kind of like, you know, I prefer pizza to you at this point, just because <laughs> I can't stand any lying of any kind. I think this this relationship could really, really mirror what happened in season one as well. So much of this 
of this recent part of this season anyway is going back to season one into the pilot and they're re- redoing scenes and rephrasing things. And we've talked about that. But if Henry thinks Emma is crazy and runs to Regina, that's pretty much exactly what happened when he decided in season one, not knowing about the curse for sure, that Regina was the evil queen and he needed to run and get the savior. Mm-hmm. So it would be really funny to see that kind of play out. And it would be really um, interesting to see how far Regina has or has not come if that happens, because it would kind of test her relationship with them in the sense that she could just be like, oh, well, Henry wants to be with me now. Tough, tough for you guys. Hmm. And I don't know um, if she'd be that way at this point, but I guess I know it's possible. That's, yeah, so it's she could very easily revert. It's just that's all I mean. So she, it would be interesting for for that to play out a little bit. But I am enjoying that Henry's temper tantrums are more mature now than yeah. they were. Um, he's it's really like it's a really good conversation now. Whenever he's having them with people, and um, they've either you know let Jared Gilmore mature. To that point, whereas before maybe they were having him act younger because he was supposed to be so much younger than he is now. Mm -hmm. So I'm enjoying that. In the hospital, uh, the discussion between Neil and Emma made me wonder, do you think Emma wants Henry to have his memories back? No. I don't think so. Or at least she's having a tough decision and she's leaning toward no. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I think that would be a miserable existence for her. Yeah, let's go back to New York. I know the truth. You don't remember most of your actual life. And I know most of our memories are fake. But we're going to get... Like, I would think she would just feel like she was living a lie for the rest of... The rest of their lives. Hmm. She Uh, would be. Yeah. I liked uh, that they had Neil go ahead and sound like, well, we got kind of a glimpse of what everybody in Storybrooke would have been thinking the day they woke up because he doesn't have any memories until this day when he surfaced. So Mm. he says he just watched Rumpled Eye and he means like hours ago. We're not. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that actually, I guess that's kind of weird because he was kind of hidden, but he still had his memories taken away. Of the last year? Yeah, he did. He didn't yeah. know what happened. So, yeah. Well, and it's possible that while he's been in this prison, in the cage, that he was Rumpel the whole time and never mm-hmm. changed to yeah, Neil until so. he escaped. But then it was all kind of foggy. And maybe as Neil, he went straight to Mr. Gold's just thinking maybe there will be something in my dad's shop to help right. me. But he then blacked out and couldn't remember anything like remembering oh i escaped from a cage somewhere that right. might be important anyone think right it's yeah because he never talked about that <laughs> his scar on his hand reminded me of home alone yeah me too oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> oh that's the first thing i thought when that happened <laughs> really even sticking yeah. his hand in the snow too <laughs> i think what it reminded it me ex- more of was the medallion of yeah. um you the know, wraith, the wraith, yeah, yeah. That it, oh. That's what I initially thought was when, like, we first saw this episode. Oh. I thought the wraith really did have something to do with this, and oh, no, interesting. Didn't. That yeah, that actually would have been an interesting tie-in, but it wouldn't have had the same resolution by any means. 
and this scene we also kind of saw neil and emma stuff for sure kind of resolved and everything and so that's also again more toward the closure side right this and their walk through the forest yeah, really exactly yeah we'll, we'll talk more about in a moment when Zelina is visiting Snow... Psychotic midwife. Hashtag. <laughs> I wonder if there was something about the orange juice, that it was poisoned, something was in it. What was with the name? Oh, the name of the orange juice. Okay, this is great research. Joel also did some research here on this, and he said, the orange juice that Zelina gives to Snow said, Andana on the label. This word means story in a language called... Oh, sorry, I'm going to mispronounce this. As uh, Cebuano, which is a language used mostly in the southern part of the Philippines. My goodness. And Where do they get this stuff? And how do you people find this out? Jack, if I'm incorrect on my pronunciation, which I probably am, feel free to correct me. <laughs> it's probably that when some people do research, they do more than search Google and look at the first few results like I do. <laughs> yeah, well, you have so to good job. page one. Mm-hmm. They might Thanks, like, guys, for add other that. words to the search, yeah. too. Yeah, well, that that's might. true, too. So yeah. good job, guys. It's well, good work. So uh, Zelina's response to when Snow drank that orange juice looked almost like, ah, she drank it. Yes. Well, she always looks like that when people drink things at the Charming's <laughs> apartment. I think, really, she just, she has these aspirations of being maybe a bartender or (laughs) or like a bartending midwife and so she's always whipping up these concoctions for people and she's like they drink it and they didn't cringe i'm a good bartender even though it's orange juice from you know the philippines and i don't know there was definitely an effect from the orange juice but or well I don't know. I won't say definitely an effect from the orange juice. Something happened at that moment, but I've seen that happen in a lot of TV shows. Actually, I think the scene that comes to mind, interestingly enough, involves Emily Duravan <laughs> in the pilot episode of, or well, no, maybe it wasn't the pilot episode, but it was an early episode of Lost, and she hadn't felt her baby move. And Spoiler. Yeah, well, eh, well, it's a minor, minor spoiler. Yeah, go, anyway. But she eats something, and all of a sudden she's like, <laughs> and you think she's like dying, and really she just was excited, and she felt her baby move, and you're like, oh, did the food do it? Well, who knows? It's just well, a baby thing. No, well, food does affect, like, I know that my sister-in-law was pregnant recently. I have a little nephew, and she, like, certain things, she made him go crazy in <laughs> her belly, so... Orange juice is really high in natural sugar, so that could definitely do that and, you know, yeah, it make is, the baby go crazy. It is known for helping pregnant women. I did a little bit of research mm. on this, and it does help them in some ways and can cause a response kind of like this. Yeah. Do you think, well, obviously, Zelina's kind of, like, focused on this baby, so I don't think she wants to do anything to hurt the baby. So maybe she's just being, because she's psychotic, maybe she's just being super clingy, but also really doing the absolute best for Snow and the baby. So the new phrase is, instead of don't drink the Kool-Aid, don't drink the orange juice. Maybe the baby will become loyal to Zelina out of the womb. (laughs) Yeah, maybe Zelina doesn't care if it turns him green. Or her. We don't know. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl, do we? We don't. They don't really have ultrasounds in the Enchanted Forest. She said, Zelina said prince or princess. So I had I had asked if anyone was going to make any bets about 
what it is. And, you know, her saying that might be a cause for why she wants the baby, because it would be royalty. Yeah. True. Still kind of weird. And true love. True love? Well, Emma's true love, so this new baby would have to be true love. Like, right? Like, I'm like a third generation true love descendant or something or second. Are I don't you know. Ri- are no. you written in as a fail safe or as a breaking <laughs> savior to a dark curse? <laughs> Just Frederick. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Well speaking of true love, Regina and Robin get to meet up at Zelina's. And a cool thing that I think they're doing with season three is challenging labels a lot. Because mm-hmm. that came up here, that's come up in past episodes as well, related to well, these same characters, Robin and Regina, but also Hook and several other characters. Where uh, and Robin even brought it up. If we're going to throw labels around, <laughs> he said, "Aren't you the evil queen?" And it's really bringing to light that well, these people aren't their labels. And someone uh, emailed recently to remind us that Robin of Loxley was actually an honorable man. From the story, the legend, the Robin Hood legend, he was a man of honor who hmm. became this uh, vigilante of sorts or this this fugitive sort of robbing from the rich to save the poor, which is awesome I mean, to uh, to give to the poor, which is also kind of an honorable thing. Kind, kind of. of. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> to grayish, not evil, but. I mean, good intentions. We'll, we'll put it that way. It's good intentions. <laughs> Committing a crime with good intentions, you can decide what the morality is of that. Yeah. <laughs> but when he said, I wouldn't dream of it, that's when Regina said, have we met before? Okay. I think that's the first hint. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the wrong princess. Well, you know. I think this is the Still. first time we've seen something trigger a connection a memory and this this conversation was very similar to the one that they had when he followed her when she was going to try to break the protection spell around her castle in the past so if there was ever going to be deja vu this would be a good time for it it makes me wonder if what's going to happen here is we're going to in one of these upcoming episodes we'll get to see a love story in the past between Robin and Regina at the same time as in the present, their love story is developing. And then when they have a kiss of true love, they both remember or kind of like Emma and Graham in both cases. will watch their love ripped apart by Zelina. Ooh. Yeah. Or ripped apart in the past. Cal held together (laughs) in the future, in the present. Maybe, maybe that would be nice, especially for them. I thought it was a little bit interesting that Robin Hood didn't care that Regina was the evil queen at all. Like he wasn't afraid of her. He, you would think would have heard not necessarily if they're in the woods, but the big performance that she put on at the town hall meeting a couple episodes ago, that indicated to everybody in town that she was evil. And I don't know that they've ever, you know, said, hey, she was just kidding. We were trying to catch the bad guy because they still haven't caught the bad guy. True. So it's funny that he was just like, yeah, sure, I'll be your partner. Let's go. Let's go witch hunting. 
Well, he spends a lot of time in the woods. He doesn't really go to town halls. True. But he still knew that she was the evil queen. Right. So wouldn't he not want to hang out with her? Mm, you'd think, but he was too um he was too beguiled <laughs> by her. I mean, did you see the way she caught that arrow? That was pretty amazing. <laughs> Which again, not really her style. Like she's supposed to be magical. That didn't look magical. That just looked like she had combat training. Well, could anybody I think you have to have magic to do that. Should she have lit it? in on fire and thrown it into something behind her and made it all like girl on fire style yes okay. no no Do you i mean think like the hunger games i think she or used, like previous episodes i think she used just enough magic to do that it made quite a point <laughs> well oh, gosh it did not even no pun intended oh, oh. man <laughs> Yeah, and Robin is shooting an arrow at his true love. <laughs> well, yeah, and it didn't him... make a point. What, what did she call him? A winged freak or something? Well, then they have this nice little time inside the house, skipping on a little bit uh, forward. And it, they're kind of flirting a little bit with each other. Yeah, Regina got a new label, the bold and audacious queen. She kind of liked that. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the evil queen name, she says, the name served me well to sum it up. And I'm like, well, Regina, I'd say it suited you quite well when you were slaughtering whole villages and separating children from their father and, you know, trying to exact revenge on an innocent young woman and ripping people's hearts out and whatnot, all kinds of whatnot. Let's, uh, you know, then there was Graham. Yeah. (laughs) I think Evil Queen worked. Didn't yeah. just serve you well, but that's okay. We're we're trying to forget that. Very, we're trying very hard to forget that in, in modern days. Maybe a little too hard, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, they have this moment where he goes in for the bottle of the whiskey. And that was just awkward. <laughs> at first, I thought, is he seriously going to kiss her? He barely knows her. But um, no, he's just flirting high school style. Yeah. It looked like she was prepared for a kiss and almost a little disappointed, but then also a little bit of what was I thinking? I wish, though, that she had, like, tried to kiss him as he leaned by. He's kind of like, what are you doing? I think that would have been, no, that would have been comical. It's funny in my brain. Here's something, though, interesting about this whiskey. Listen to what Regina said. It's always about the whiskey. (laughs) Which surprised me that it wasn't uh, McCutcheon instead. (laughs) But she said this. Not exactly, but it is a liquid that can conjure courage. Ooh, courage. That's (laughs) relevant to this show right now. Yes, it is. Give strength or even act as a love potion of sorts. Strength and love. Is everyone going to have to drink whiskey in order to defeat? (laughs) 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 Yeah. I'm not endorsing it, but just saying. I think that's how this is going to play out for sure. You you got it. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the writers were like, "Oh, we need Lana Perea to be like vulnerable and torn and like all emo again." <laughs> so now we got to change things up. <laughs> yeah, let's bring a tattoo into this. Yeah, and let her run away and be afraid, and because that's how it. they like her. Well, yes, but we've been expecting this. Right. And I would say we were rewarded with it, really. 
because yeah. we've wanted it to happen. We've wanted to see what how Regina would respond to possibly falling in love again. And now we know with emo. <laughs> <laughs> so then as uh, Hook and Neil have their moment together, Hook brings some jello into Neil. And there's a deleted scene from season two. If you haven't seen this, <laughs> go to oncepodcast.com slash season two, and you can order the DVD or Blu-rays of season two from Amazon. And season three, by the way, isn't available for pre-order yet, but when it is, oncepodcast.com slash season three will take you there. But in one of the deleted scenes in the episode right after, uh, it was in the name of the brother was the name of the episode. Hook comes out and he says, what is this? And he's holding (laughs) a plate of jello and it's blue jello. Then it's not green like this was green jello. Well, this is the green season, so. But it is a nice nod back to that deleted scene. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize that was a deleted scene. That's funny. I didn't realize Jell-O had medicinal properties. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's why they (laughs) serve it at hospitals all the time. (laughs) (laughs) In this scene, Hook asks, how does it feel to play the villain? And this is one of those moments that had me thinking one thing was going to happen and also has me kind of wondering if maybe that was actually correct. And what I mean is he says, you know, you must have used dark magic and paid an even darker price. Yeah. None of that. And, and suggesting that he's a villain. None of that. It see, it feels like foreshadowing. Yeah. So you think, Oh, he's the dark one. Well, that seems by the end of the episode to not be the case. And yet they're kind of awkwardly procrastinating about finding any way to move him. And they keep showing him. And it just makes me wonder, to quote Princess Bride, maybe he's just mostly dead. (laughs) Maybe he's slowly, for some reason, because plot, undergoing some sort of transformation. This would be one of those lines that makes me think, maybe he's not really dead. Now, after all the good goodbyes and the closures and things, you know, I think probably. But this is just one of those little things. The hug, on the other hand, was more like closure. <laughs> or on the other hook, if you will. <laughs> that yeah. was cute. I liked it a lot. I did too. It was endearing. Yeah, and what they said, I loved Neil's expression, just that, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you hugging me? But then they reminded us, and it was uh, really nice to hear. Sometimes when I look at you, all I see is a man. I forget then. Beneath it all, you're still that boy, the one I looked after all those years ago. Yeah, I haven't forgotten. We got caught up in so much nonsense over... A woman. Also, you kind of gave him to the Lost Boys. Yeah. <laughs> that happened too. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, didn't really spend that much time together. Well, there were weeks that we didn't see. It would have been rather boring. <laughs> yeah, they would have just been stuck on a boat together. <laughs> and then Brr. as... Neo then disappears, turns into Rumple, 
Emma and David then find him out in the forest. And I, I love how Emma just brings this together. And this is one of those things, kind of like uh, Jane Espenson, one of the writers, mm-hmm. said that she was writing lines for Jiminy Cricket and Snow White. And who does that? Right. She thought it was just so much fun. I think Emma kind of said something similar in this. A week ago, Henry and I were playing video games and eating fruit roll-ups. Now, I am chasing after the Dark One, hoping he can help me find the Wicked Witch of the West. (laughs) (laughs) I like the groan in the background. That was good. (laughs) That's what she's thinking. She's like, exactly. Wait, what was that? Yeah, you tell him, Rumpel. Rumpel! (laughs) Yeah. But like I said, I still think that's kind of... I wouldn't want to live that way if I were her. Truth is better than a farce. I think she might be apprehensive because of how shocking it was to her system when she first found out Mm -hmm. about everything in a land without magic. But she needs to remember that Henry already has all the other memories. So when he gets them back, it's not going to be shocking to him. It's going to be memory. Like it's going to be. Remember his family. Yeah. If he had, and she'll probably realize this eventually, if he had the chance to take the red pill or the blue pill, you know, I think he'd choose remembering the truth. She's kind of making that choice for him right now. Well, then as they run off or as Hook, uh, not Hook, Rumple runs off, turns back into Neil. (laughs) Yeah. Then Emma finds Neil then uh, one of the things that stood out to me from this is that Neil was not, or yeah, Neil could not remember the year. Right. For obvious reasons. He was absorbed by someone else during most of the year. Uh, I don't think I'd say most of it. Uh, We don't know how long it took to find, maybe not that long. Maybe six months. At the most, I guess. Six to nine months. But he didn't even remember doing that. So right and but it does seem like Rumple can remember things. Yes. So Rumple might not have been affected by the curse, but Neil was, even though yeah, which is Neil was inside Rumple's mind. Mm-hmm. Unless Rumple enacted the curse, as we said previously, right. and then he wouldn't have been affected by it. Yeah. If if he would have been in the mental state to enact anything. Hmm. Side note. Enacting the curse. Did Zelina do it? And did it require the heart of the thing she loved most? Which was what? Hmm. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, I've thought about that too. Maybe Rumple somehow customized the curse for her. Customize it. Here, this one would be easier for you. (laughs) Because you don't love anything. (laughs) Once the portal is opened, maybe it's easy to just go back and forth. Just reenact something similar. They've already ripped a hole in the fabric between realms. Yeah. And they can just kind of, like, well, before it required great sacrifice. Now it requires a more minor, like, you could use a steed now. That's fine. Or a flying monkey. (laughs) Yeah. A beautiful one. (laughs) But then as Emma and Neil are walking, they have this great conversation together. And it's leading into the thing we're not going to talk about just yet. (laughs) But they they start connecting which based on that and bringing up Tallahassee again and 
saying, you know, we never found Tallahassee and all of this stuff. This is all just stuff that makes me realize that this is, yes, definite conclusion to his story, to his character. Mm. We could probably see his character still in flashbacks, but I think this is more of them giving us some closure to certain things. Yeah. Well, to, to, to play both sides of the argument, I said all the same things about Rumpel five episodes ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much closure and goodbye and drama and crying. And then we knew he was back in the very next episode. So, now this felt bigger. It was done bigger, which not sure that should be an indication of whether it's permanent or not, but it tends to be. But I still can see them being like, mm, nope, Belle misinterpreted it. She really set off a panic. Mm. Don't know. Nobody took his pulse or anything. It was pretty clear. But oh, that's that's true, actually. Not that, <laughs> you know, somebody being traded a life for a life and becoming the Dark One wouldn't necessarily have a pulse for a little while. I don't know. They've, they've cried wolf so many times. I'm still going to wait and see. Yeah. It took me a little bit to realize who Neil was talking about when he said, I almost married a minion of my grandfather, Peter Pan. Right. Me too. <laughs> Tamara. Right. right. Tamara. <laughs> I think the word minion threw me off. That has meant so many things to so many people in the last few years. Yeah. And I just watched Despicable Me. Too. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little yellow. What? Uh, you did? No, I don't remember. Oh, her. Her? Yeah. Well, yeah, literally. i enjoyed the mention of cheesy live free new york pizza yeah (laughs) henry likes pizza he loves pizza because it doesn't lie (laughs) so is like is penry a thing pizza and henry as a ship it's like henry Bond dogs, uh, something. It's Henry with food. Henry loves food, but not all food because some bagels are clearly unacceptable. <laughs> he's gotten pickier. Yeah. Since being in New York. Yeah. He's he's a little bit of those, like, he's a little foo-foo now. Actually, remember choices. what I said, how I analyzed how he talked about the ice cream? Uh, this is good, too. I'm used to gelato and like little Italy, but now yeah. and now he's doing the same thing with bagels. The poor kid has turned into a snob. He needs to get his memories back now. Just wait until he has pizza in Storybrooke. He'll probably <laughs> he'll, go ballistic. He'll be like, "Mom, I'm done with this. We're going back to New York." <laughs> Do they even have pizza in Storybrooke? <laughs> well, yeah, Granny's. You know, oh, okay. frozen probably. <laughs> Sorry, Granny. Personal pan pizza. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry, Henry. But in <laughs> in doing all of this, Rumple again, after Emma splits the personalities and everything there happens, which we'll talk more about in a moment, but Rumple said that Zelina wants what she doesn't have. Yes. I, can you remind us of the rest of the riddle, the other riddle? Are you able to do that? What I'm after, Rumple. It's something you've spent a lifetime seeking. Something that goes against your very nature. Something that I can't afford to wait that long for. (laughs) So we already know that 
she wanted Rumpel for his brains. Good call on that previous feedback. And she gathered courage. Yeah, from Charming. Mm-hmm. So she still needs a heart. Presumably. love. Which, you know, only makes sense because Oz. It doesn't really make sense. We don't have any idea why any of it makes sense right, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> and the other part that was from The Wizard of Oz is uh, a home or desire for a home. Although, I must say... Rumple seems to not know what she's doing precisely, but he called them unholy desires. And whenever anyone pulls out the unholy word, it's pretty contrary to even the nature of magic. <laughs> it's pretty out there. I think I think the dark curse was kind of lumped into that category. Things like that. Well, when they mentioned unholy magic, uh, and that was what uh, Rumpelstead said to Zelina a little bit later... It made me think of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Yeah. Jafar exactly. said that to uh, the Red Queen, mm-hmm. that she must have some unholy desires to want mm-hmm. to change the laws of magic. Right. And this whole curse, and so much of the storyline has been about Rumpel trying to get back to his son. And mm-hmm. now his son sacrificed himself so that Rumpel could live. Yes. Aww. Yeah, yeah, regardless of even if my out there clinging to unreasonable hope is correct somehow, he still did it. He still sacrificed himself. Yeah. Uh, not and not just for not just for Rumple, but for the people that he loves because they're in danger as long as they don't know who the witch is. And so he made sure they could find out from the one person who knew. Right. But during the call, as we're discovering exactly what it was, as Belle has made the discovery, I I have to say, she started the part where she decided that he should be dead right now by saying, this is where it gets unclear. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So I'm still, that's, so that's a vote for the, oh, Belle made a mistake side. Or Um, it was unclear. So she was just assuming that it's unclear. It's a life for a life. He should be dead. That's kind of what she did. So. Maybe what was unclear about it was the fact that he should be dead, but he's not yet. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Mm. that's true. And Emma used her magic again, which doesn't happen often. It doesn't. And she just knew how to do it. Something that big. True. (laughs) She's pretty good when she does it. Yeah. I think it's just... Maybe it's, I think we've, we've talked about this before, but that some magic is maybe learned while some is more like you're born with it. And we know that she was born with it because she's never learned it. Right. So it kind of maybe is just more instinctive with her. Like, yeah, Regina's magic is like Maybelline. <laughs> and Emma's right. born with it. Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> well, speaking of Maybelline, that might be what <laughs> Zelina was trying to apply in the bathroom. Yeah, she just didn't look green enough to, for her taste. So she's like, mm, this is, the shade is just not right. Did she... Okay, was the implication... Well, clearly, she went out... Does she have to go out the window? Like, in order for her to poof, does she need an open window? I don't think so. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but it was probably that 
she could maybe hear or sense or had alarms in some way that alerted her to the fact that people were coming. But she didn't seem to know that everyone was on to her until she talked to Rumple. Maybe the beautiful one came to the bathroom window to tell her. <laughs> she was like, or she- go away. I'm in the bathroom. And then, thank you. And then poof. Yeah. R- remind me how Emma and Charming, they stormed in like guns blazing, right? Right. To the apartment. Yeah. So maybe she just heard them when they were getting out of, the, getting the sword out of the right. floor. They like kick in the door or something. <laughs> and then like, where's Alita? She's in the bathroom with all those windows and stuff. And it's like, it's not soundproof at all. Um, <laughs> I would tell her you're coming, but she knows. And then they go and they, they try to hide by the windows so they can kick in the door. And there was nobody there. I hope they didn't break the lock that August had made for that door. Oh, I do too. It's still there. It's one of the last Aww. things we have of him. Except, you know, his, I guess he's still in town somewhere, probably. Yeah. Who knows? So Zelina goes to visit Rumpel. You and- get lost. And uh, I think that from this, we see that she's going to continue to use him. But how? We know now that she wants his brain. I'm not sure if it necessarily means to his take it. brain! <laughs> she's a zombie. That's why <laughs> she was green. That's the other thing is that she could be a zombie, actually. <laughs> or queen of the zombies. Is but that it, a thing? Might be. <laughs> It might be something more that she wants to use him as the brains of her operation. Yeah, I think she wants to be that. I think she wants to be everything. Right. She thinks she's better than everybody. She does. Is is there any chance that... See, this doesn't seem intense enough of motivation to do what she's doing, but... Is it possible that she wants to go home and has somehow been banished from her home? I'm just thinking of the, you know, the tie-ins of mm-hmm. with Wizard of Oz and, you know, the brains and the heart and the courage. And then there's no place like home. Right. Yeah, it so. could be something like that. Maybe the episode, the series will end with her clicking some heels together and getting her wish. Or maybe this is what it takes to make those those uh slippers hmm. whatever color they end up being <laughs> interesting maybe, or like i've theorized maybe she's actually dorothy yeah and she wants to get back to that home hear this mm-hmm. there had better not be a fictional kansas <laughs> world <laughs> word yeah that better not be a thing we got some feedback here from a couple of listeners uh gareth said i'm less convinced all the time that Zelina and regina are sisters Zelina used rumple's blood to break a blood magic lock which proves that if you have someone's blood you don't need to be a relative to use blood magic i don't know if that lock was necessarily blood magic even though it required blood which lock the lock on the safe when Zelina came into the safe to get the i uh, took it to mean that it was because he's used blood magic in his shop before mm-hmm. True. or, you know, in places that he keeps things. And she seemed to use it like a, some kind of biometric scanner, which <laughs> frankly, a fingerprint reader or, you know, a retina scanner would be <laughs> actually more secure than blood magic because you 
it just seems more complicated than taking someone's blood. <laughs> well, Gareth also connected this to Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, when in a recent episode we got to see, sorry if this is a spoiler, but got to see Cora, and she said, my daughter has been such a disappointment to me. Yes. She didn't say daughters, and no, she had she no reason to lie about how many daughters she had to Anastasia. That's true. But that could be like a bit of a stretch to go to a different TV series for evidence of a position. But maybe not. Also, if if you give your child up for adoption or vice, like whatever happened, because Alina did say that they gave her up. Right. You don't necessarily like you don't acknowledge. Like I'm trying to not make this sound horrible, but you mm. don't. When when you later on in life or whatever have babies with the man that you love, you don't necessarily, when you say, oh, I had five babies, you don't count, you know, the sixth one because nobody knows. Yeah, let me try and connect what I think you're saying here is <laughs> that what we learned of Zelina was that she was given up or in a, in some way it conveys that she was rejected so it could make sense that Cora mm-hmm. has pushed her out of her mind. And so that's why Cora just thinks, I only have one daughter. Well, even someone like yeah. Emma is probably not walking around Boston saying, yeah, I've got a son. <laughs> right. You know, before, you know, before Storybrooke and everything. And she wasn't malicious about it. She just mm-hmm. gave him up at a young age. Whereas Cora, good grief, the woman literally had no heart. Right. So, yeah, if she rejected well, she, the child, she'd just be like, eh, I don't have a daughter. What? If Zelina's Regina's older sister, then Cora would have had a heart when she was born. Well, okay, but later on. Yeah. But so, like, things like that are just as painful, right, on the mom as they are on the... Sure. So it it could just be not a conscious acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of hearts, uh, Firelight suggested that maybe Zelina wants Regina's heart. Because, as Firelight says, Regina's heart has been in turmoil over the loss of Henry and the prospect of having a new soulmate enter her life after decades of loneliness. She seems to be a good candidate for Zelina. And remember, Regina's heart is nearly black. Well, see, that, yeah, that's the thing. That's why I think I keep thinking, oh, she'll take Regina's heart. And then I think, I guess I think of Regina's heart as sort of damaged goods. <laughs> which is you know it's mending but right now it's still kind of black we just saw it recently and then she even got some dirt on it but <laughs> i don't know if selena can know she can know about robin if she observed them long enough in the enchanted forest that she saw that there's true love there then she can know that mm-hmm. why she wouldn't set it up I guess, I don't know. She could set it up so they would meet sooner. I don't know. Well, even in this little montage that comes up next, it seems like Regina is struggling with some feelings. Yeah. 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 Who knows what those are? Because she's just sort of watching them from afar. Hmm. Like, maybe she's thinking, if we get married, do we have to live in the woods or can we live in my house? (laughs) (laughs) That montage might have been one of my favorites of this series it was very emotional and from a variety of perspectives i don't think any fandom would be disappointed in this montage um i liked it yeah yeah it was great uh i know that uh, jacqueline has been a little critical of some of the editing 
of some of the things here, but it comes down to sometimes what they have and don't have time for in a TV show. But the last scene that we get before we bring on Hunter and Jacqueline to talk about Neil's death, the last thing we get is with Emma talking to Henry and giving him a little bit more truth. And she said that of Neil, he was a good man. He would have been a great father. The one thing you need to know about him is that he was a hero. Mm -hmm. That reminded me of the episode True North in the first season when Emma and Henry were talking in the sheriff's office. And Emma said, you think I'm the savior? He was. He was a true hero. And she described how Hmm. he died saving a family in a fire. Yeah. Only then she didn't believe it. Right. Because it was a lie. Not not true. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah, it's still funny that that wasn't the story that was in her head about the past. Yeah. Already that he was a hero or something like that. Yeah. I love that she found a way that she didn't try to cover it up. I just, I love that she found a way to be sort of truthful with him. I thought that last line was a little odd. The person that did it got away, but I'm going to find them. Uh, I feel like the chain of events was set in motion by Peter Pan. Mm. Yeah, Zelina sent them to the vault, but don't you think they'd have gotten there anyway? Eventually? Bells was like, well, no, let's go find another way. What other way? Is there another way? I don't think so. I think that's where they would have ended up. Now, maybe level heads would have prevailed and eventually they would have given up the idea. But and Emma know. doesn't even know how it happened a year ago. That's either. true. So she's just assuming that. Well, that's true. Zelina's to blame for whatever reason. That's true. She doesn't even know about Zelina's involvement. Yeah. None of them do. Belle will be able to tell them eventually, I would assume. Hopefully. Yeah. So now let's talk about the big subject that came up in this episode, Neil's death. And we brought onto the line with us Hunter and Jacqueline. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies. Not a problem. So there are several sides to this. And Jacqueline, you're really connected with the forums very well. So give us a little bit of an idea of how the the fans are responding to this and what some of the thoughts are out there. Well, I think you have to break it into two camps. Um, The first one is... I'm just going to call them the non-Swan Fire shippers. (laughs) Whether that means you're Captain Swan, Swan Queen... Anything else, non-shipper, a lot of them, of course, are very, very sad that Neil is dead. They didn't want to see him go, but they also thought that it was a good send-off, and they don't have a problem with the episode. Then there are the Swanfire and the Neilfire fans, and they're pretty upset. (laughs) Um, Our Swanfire thread has jumped 100 pages in three days. Wow. wow. So what are we Did we break a thousand yet? We ha- we have broken a thousand. We're at a thousand ten right now. Pages. 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 Wow. We've we've talked a lot. <laughs> and this is kind of hard to explain. And unless you're a part of the forum, unless you're talking to us in the Swanfire thread, it may be hard to even hear, but we're not so much upset at the death of Neil. We're upset at the way it was handled. Because for us, he went completely out of character. It was a rejection of everything the show has been telling us for three seasons. And I'm not even talking about my ship. 
I ship Swanfire. I always have. I always will. But if Emma decides that Hook makes her happy, Walsh makes her happy, <laughs> random, <laughs> random guy on the street makes her happy, good for Emma. <laughs> That's what I want for her. I want her to be happy. You want her to find Tallahassee. Mm, okay. Too Even soon, Jeremy. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but for us, it really, I think, comes down to a few points. The first one I kind of want to bring up is the cycle of abandonment. For the past three seasons, we've been learning all about the Stiltskin men and this continued cycle of abandonment. Malcolm and Rumple, and then Rumple and Balefire. And Neil, un- you know, unknowingly leaving a pregnant Emma. And he was determined from the moment he knew he had a son that he was going to break that cycle of abandonment. He wanted to be there. Even if it meant in the end that he wouldn't have a relationship with Emma, he wanted to be there for his son. And with the death of Neil, it kind of feels like that cycle of abandonment is just going to continue. That bothers us. (laughs) Well, yeah, you could... I think you can look at abandonment, his abandonment, in two different ways. In some ways, it's sacrifice. In some ways, yes, it's abandonment. So I wouldn't say he's quite a villain completely in his abandonment because, like in the case of leaving Emma, it was because of something Emma needed to do. Right. And it seemed like August was the one who framed Emma. Well, even the two (laughs) stories that we've heard, even though one Emma made up, the difference between yeah, he let me go to jail, and he died saving people. Those are very different representations. One is abandonment, and the other is just what he had to do. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's where I will say this. The two ships definitely disagree. (laughs) Um, I mean, I definitely think that fate was involved in it. He kind of had, I mean, he obviously had a choice, but he had to sacrifice his happy ending in order to get Emma home. But that's that's a very biased Swanfire ship interpretation. <laughs> Please do not send me hate. <laughs> Please. Um, another point I kind of want to bring up is this idea of second chances. Because this season has been about second chances for a lot of our characters, mm. like Regina. And Neil's story arc has always been about second chances. His uh, character poster for season 3A, The Neverland Story, was believe in second chances. He tells Robin Hood, this is my second chance. And we don't even mean romantic love. If he didn't get another shot with Emma, that's okay. It, it is. It's about his father and his son then. And he didn't get a chance to be a father at all. Yeah. And that, that feels really wrong to us. And that goes back to that cycle of abandonment. I want to talk a little bit about Emma and how this affects her. You know, she said in the cave in the episode Ariel that it would be easier to lose Neil than to go through all the pain they went through before. But by him dying like this, without them really getting to sit and talk, to yell, to break teacups, whatever, (laughs) she's not moving forward in her character growth. You know, Slurpees 108 called it, it's stagnation and burying your head in the sand. It's like her character development just got chopped off at the knees. Because even if it, she ended up saying, I don't want another go with you, at least they got to talk about that. Well, yeah, they. I think being a TV show with such limited time for each episode, some of this stuff has to be condensed. Like, I felt like their conversation in the cave connected some things that needed to be their conversation on the beach just before losing Neil connected some things that needed to be and their conversation 
here in the woods just before losing Neil again. Uh, connected some things that w- needed to be, yeah, not as thorough mm-hmm. as we wanted, not with all of the emotions that we wanted. But I think if you connect those things together, you do get to see a little bit of a string of things. Like on the beach in season two, mm-hmm. Neil was basically saying, I love you. Emma said, I love you. I'm sorry all this happened. I wish it could have worked out differently. I still love you. I've never stopped loving you. Then in the cave, some of that comes up, but then Emma adds, I can't go on like this. I can't deal with this stuff uh, together. And then here in the woods, Neil has come to terms with that and been able to say, I'm okay with you finding Tallahassee Mm -hmm. with someone. Yeah, he had to say goodbye to her in his view, again, hours before. And she, she didn't remember her true history during that year. But now that she has her real memories back, she still remembers the year. And so she has that experience of, it wasn't moving on per se, but she has the experience of having fallen in love, even if it was with a flying monkey. (laughs) But, you know, so she has that as part of her perspective and her experience too. And I would imagine that as she got her memories back and she became both, those things kind of merged. At least that's how she, how she seems to be presented as though she her experiences in New York are sort of influencing and informing who she is now. She's her, but she also has all these experiences, and she wouldn't have wanted to leave Storybrooke a year ago. And now her first memories in the last year of the people of Storybrooke have just happened in the last few days, but she's still, she's just affected by her time away. Yeah, it's I so often I wish that they could choose, the writers could choose how many episodes things get and how mm-hmm. long they can stretch something out across episodes instead of each episode having to be its own self-contained story so that they can spend as much time as necessary to tell this story. Sure. I, they do it a little more than maybe some shows of the past, but yeah, some things yeah. get a little more certain themes that they introduce in an episode seem to have to be wrapped up in that episode, which is why they end up saying funny things like, no, he didn't do that to save the town. He did that to save the people he loved. See, we're talking about sacrificing for the people you love now, everybody. See that? (laughs) That's kind of what they do a little bit because they bring one theme in and then finish it and then bring another theme in the next week and finish that. Well, since we're talking about things people say (laughs) there there are i think there's a really big point that i feel like i have to bring up in order to do my friends justice here and that is that we feel this episode was you know fee over at the forums called it character assassination (laughs) um and that neil was completely out of character for how he was presented to us for I, i guess since we knew him Okay. As he's dying and saying goodbye to Rumple, he says, thank you for teaching me the meaning of sacrifice. And I'm just going to read something that Fee actually wrote, which is, he was a hero when he was willing to give up the only world he knew in a bid to save his father's soul. He was a hero when he gave himself over to the shadow to protect the darlings. He was a hero when he let go of Emma's hand over the portal so that Henry wouldn't lose both of them at the same time. He was a hero when he returned to Neverland on a mission to save his son. It was completely unnecessary to give him a heroic death as means of establishing that he was heroic. Hmm. 
because for us, he didn't die as a hero. He lived as one. Ooh, that's and <laughs> his, his whole blasé attitude about dark magic came out of nowhere. No one knows better than Neil the price of magic. He watched his father be being torn apart by that dark curse and what it did to him. You know, he tells him in The Return, I just want my papa back. This just random out of nowhere, I don't care about the consequences. Just it wasn't Neil. And to add one more to the hero point, you know, Adam and Eddie said in their podcast for the episode Second Star to the Right that Balefire was a hero. Hmm. So this sudden about face, we're kind of upset about that. Sure. Yeah, it is kind of like they took some shortcuts in some ways. Shortcuts, yeah. And I I kind of agree with the with the recklessness. I don't know that I fully understand that. I think it, there was a sense of impatience that they were trying to communicate. I don't know that they felt they needed to prove he was a hero. I don't think that was ever in question, though. He died a hero, but I don't think that means that he didn't live as one. But this idea of thank you for finally teaching me what it means to sacrifice. He His entire arc is that he continually sacrifices things that he wants and he's desi- his desires for the other people. He wanted a home with the darlings, but he gave that up in order to save them from being taken by the shadow. He wanted a happy ending with Emma before August, you know, came up and said, hey, look, she's a child of destiny. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm he, giving them an easy out, but I guess I think that was a nice thing to say to his father as he died. Yeah, because one of the last times that they tried to make up, he said, I'm still angry. Uh, and then it was in that scene when Rumple was dying. Neil yeah, said, I'm but, still angry. Right. That was in season two, the Miller's daughter. And in season three on the boat home from Neverland, he forgives his father and he says, you're different, Papa. You came back for me. Yeah. And then, as they're getting off the boat in Storybrooke, he hands him his cane, and Rumpel says that it's a reminder to never be the man that he, you know, that he once was. And they hug. And then, as Rumpel poofs into, I don't know, the giant vault of goo, (laughs) 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 the DVG for short. You know, Neil tells Regina, "Don't let his sacrifice been in vain." He knew the, what sacrifice meant already. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I'm sorry, one final point is this idea that there was no buildup for his character to die in this episode. He, he didn't get a whole lot of screen time in New York City Serenade or Witch Hunt. He was not in the tower at all. And then suddenly he comes back and just dies. And it feels as though his death means nothing. Because all they got was a name, something that, honestly, they could have figured out on their own if the writers would make the hero characters like they were in season one. You know, Hmm. Charming goes on this magical mystery tour where he fights fear, but oh, let's not suspect the woman I was suspicious of who gave me tea, you know? (laughs) And Zelina got exactly what she wanted. She gets a sane, controllable dark one. Right. So I, his death just feels so pointless. In some ways, it is a little bit realistic. And, and sometimes realism doesn't tell good stories. But uh, sometimes good stories will contain realism where characters 
don't necessarily make the good logical choices or communicate things very well. But yeah, you're right. I feel like this episode, if you look at just this episode, built up nicely to his close. This episode did. I I would have liked to see him more maybe this season, but I also can appreciate some suddenness because it didn't feel predictable to me. I didn't expect right. it. Yeah. But at the same time, I felt like I sort of smelled contract issues or availability issues because his limited screen time in the first few episodes could have been filmed very close together. So he could, his time with them just looking at it logistically could have been very short, Yeah, sort of enough to do maybe the equivalent of two episodes and then gone if you know all of this if my little side theory isn't correct in which case this will all be really funny um but... can i just jump in for a second yes yes please <laughs> I, do. I just i read an article with him about his character dying and he says he wasn't fired and he wasn't asked to leave the show mm. right so it's just part of the story so it had nothing to do with contract issues okay. from what i've from what I've read. Oh, that's good to know. I Yeah, I like that. And they, they have been that. teasing this death forever. Yes. Like yes. I yes. was, I was, I tried so hard to stay away from spoilers and then everyone's you just could, like, who's going to die? Who do you think's going to die? And <laughs> you I could didn't, not stay away from this one. Well, it's and impossible. I didn't, I didn't read anything. <laughs> all I know, all I know is that somebody was going to die. Like that's, yeah. that was the spoiler. And I heard that it was in the premiere episode of the second half so i was like oh maybe they were just kidding just just jonesing with us mm-hmm. like nobody's really gonna die huh. so i had suspect like you know i had suspected who i thought it was gonna be but i had not read any spoilers or anything other than just the headline hmm. main character like writers tease main character death or whatever so wow i did not I did not pick up on that in any way. That's really impressive, Jeremy. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, not kidding. You, I mean, you must this spoiler came out in people. January. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it exploded in it was many ways. Horrendous. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty good at it, yeah. although now that Facebook is putting trends, pictures. well, pictures, but also trends in the corner. I, I, there's a Wonderland spoiler going around that made the trends, and I was like, oh, I, hi. yeah, I saw that, and I mm. want to punch everybody in the face that posted <laughs> it on Facebook, including people who said they were never watching this show again after Neil died, and that they posted that spoiler. <laughs> uh, if you use your app on your phone or on a mobile device, you don't get the trending. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, true. Oh, really? <laughs> That's good. Yet, anyway. Yeah, right, yeah. It was posted though on somebody's news feed. It wasn't a trend mm-hmm. so that I saw. So. Block. Just kidding. Yeah, no. Mm. Unfriend. <laughs> Let me share some feedback here from Helen H that said that this whole death is actually cohesive and makes complete sense. And she says in season two it was made clear that Neil would take the easy way out whenever the situation allowed. In my opinion, he took the easy way out when he left Emma to the, quote, care of August. And in his own <laughs> words to Mulan, he took the easy way out when he never came back to Emma when he had the chance. He took the easy way out when he let go of Emma's hand at the portal. And she gives some other um, examples of things. But one of the points that she wants to bring out is that as far as making predictions between the Swan Fire and Captain Swan shippers, mm-hmm. the Captain Swan shippers have been more correct in their predictions. 
and theories of mm-hmm. what would happen. Things such as um, she cites multiple examples in this, and we'll have the full feedback in the show notes for this episode. But certain things like they'd been theorizing that there would be a kiss between Emma and Hook. I well, know there was a little spoiler that Emma had said something that when you get to kiss someone on screen, it's always fun. <laughs> Everyone then assumed that meant Hook. <laughs> I love that a kiss is like an event with spoilers and <laughs> articles and whatnot. But there have been uh, several <laughs> things where, yeah, it does maybe look like the Captain Swan shippers are uh, more correct in their theories and certainly deserve recognition for interpreting the show correctly in certain directions. But I know that's not without error. And certainly the Swan Fire shippers have predicted certain things. Like one of my predictions, and I would say if I'm a shipper, I would lean toward the side of Swan Fire. Yeah, me too. Um, but I'm not very much of a me shipper. Mm-hmm. And my prediction was Hook would sacrifice his life so that Emma and Neil could be together. Yeah. That didn't quite happen. <laughs> it didn't happen at all, really. <laughs> the very, the very, the very interesting thing about that whole debate slash who cares, who doesn't care, which side are you on? Is that I think sometimes from a I could be wrong about this, but I feel like from if you're looking at the story overall, you probably tend towards Swanfire, and if you're just looking at on-screen chemistry and who's fun to watch you might be on the emma hook side Mm -hmm. that's just how i (laughs) interpret who likes what couple because to me hook and emma don't make any sense other than that people kind of like them together so story-wise i wanted her with neil because i thought it made a way better just story Mm. but it is what it is. Ariana uh, <laughs> called in to say that basically Neil paid the price for using dark magic. Yeah. And that was his death. You use dark yeah. magic, you're off the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's clearly not true. <laughs> so we just lost Regina, Rumpel, Snow. Yeah, Snow, yeah. <laughs> Zelina. Mm-hmm. Zelina. <laughs> Almost everybody really Laura. at some point is probably tampering and dark magic (laughs) oh well that's sad that's a very sad assessment of the show well and i wanted to make sure that we represent the things here because this is such a big event and i i don't have an answer to this question i wish i did is after this episode some of the people are asking what's the moral of once upon a time the moral the moral story Mm. Because I am all for redemption stories. It's one of the things that got me hooked on the show in the first place was I really wanted to see Rumpel come back as, you know, to redeem himself. But when a man who, in my opinion, lived his life as a hero was just good and kind and brave and put the needs of others ahead of his own, when he dies and doesn't get a chance to just live life I have to kind of wonder, where's the hope? Mm. Yeah, and yeah. that's what this is really all about. Yeah, happy endings, hope. And I don't have an answer to that question, and I can tell you this, over at the forums, it's been a debate lately. <laughs> you know, some people are saying it absolutely still has hope, and some people are very adamant that the show is broken for them. Mm. And it's not just because 
a ship went down. It's not even just because one character died. It's because of how it was handled and sort of the message that it seems to send. Yeah, kind of crushing some hope. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess as long as we're on these existential (laughs) once upon a time (laughs) topics, I have been curious as to what the sort of end game is. Where's What's the arc? Is there an arc right now that carries us from the pilot episode to the future finale of the series? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if there's one story arc. Obviously, there are character arcs. I don't know if there's one story arc, though, other than people getting happy endings. And I don't know if I consider that a happy ending for Neil. Well, I mean, I always thought that the overarching story arc was Henry's family coming back together, having healed the breach of the previous generations. Mm -hmm. To me, Henry's kind of at the center of this whole story. Yeah, Hen- I mean Henry and Neil, and that this is, and they said this in the Wicked is Coming special before New York City Serenade that this is their fairy tale. Yeah, and look, I live in the real world, and I know that fairy tales are just that, and there are no such thing as happy endings for everybody. But when I think now that Henry at thirteen just lost his father, and has no idea who his father even is. And when he eventually gets back his memories and it comes flooding back in, I mean, my heart breaks for him. Mm -hmm. And I was 18 when I lost my dad. Mm -hmm. I know what that's like. I don't know where the hope is. Yeah, they've really got to tie this around in some way. And I'd like to think that they have a plan for making this not seem in vain and bringing this around to hope in some way. Uh, Hunter, I know you wanted to say something and I've got a voicemail to lift our spirits. (laughs) Personally... I just thought his time was up. That's just me personally. His story arc was done in my mind. I mean, mm. we learned all about his past. We we met back up with Hawk, who he had been with. And, like, to me, all the stories have been over. His story arc is done. So I, I saw this one coming. I wasn't in shock. I looked at my husband, and we were sitting there watching it. I'm like, okay. I wasn't that sad because it kind of, like, I don't know. I didn't see where else his character could go. Well, to lift our spirits, here's a voicemail from <laughs> Chaponies. <laughs> Hello, Once Podcast. This is I Love Chess and Ponies, or Chaponies in the chat room. And I have been having an issue with this particular episode, and you, well, in the Ramen Noodle Podcast, has actually helped me with it. <laughs> Jabberwocky! Grr. Clean rage. Anyways. By the way, that's a little inside joke. If you listen to our recent episode of our clean comedy podcast, we talked about ways to clean rage. And I actually suggested you go all Lewis Carroll on someone and start like using nonsense words from Alice in Wonderland. That was if you want to listen to that, it's at cleancomedypodcast.com slash 173. But he continues. The main issue I've been having with this episode is just the whole the whole thing of Neil. Really, you didn't expect that? You didn't see that coming? You grew up with dark magic. You should know this. And apparently you can resurrect the dark one with absolutely no consequences if you simply have oven mitts. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> and just generally, why did they have to kill off Neil? Why? It would have been so amazing to have Rumpel Neal as a Bruce Banner Hulk sort of fuse 
people. <laughs> yeah. That would be so cool if every time Rumble got angry, he turned into Neil, and that would be <laughs> such a neat mechanic if they actually, like, implemented that. Or if he started talking to himself. And Rumble, it's not voices in your head. It is a voice. A voice <laughs> that is clearly silent when he's trying to fight and resurrect his dad. Yeah, Neil is, Neil is not the most intelligent resurrector. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, and, of course, I could have killed off Neil at the end of Season 2. He could have just stayed dead when he went through the portal. <laughs> that would have been okay. No. Yeah, that would have been okay. I would have been sad, but I would have been like, all right, that's it. Okay. And, of course, they brought back Rumpel. Why did they bring back Rumpel? I love Rumpel. He's my favorite character. But if they're... I prefer that they just kept Neil because they already did that big emotional scene with Rumpel. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was kind of... I was over it. And now they just sort of open up a new wound. Yeah. <laughs> Anger. <laughs> Devil and Just generally, this episode makes me kind of sad and kind of angry, which is not good. TV should not make you angry. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> R.I.P. Neil slash Balefire slash Dealfire slash Swanfire slash Redfire. <laughs> All the fires. Redfire? <laughs> uh, well, live Captain Swan. Hmm. Alright. See you guys. Um, thank you for the awesome podcast. This has been Japonies. Bye. That was good. I wanted to lift our spirits with that. <laughs> I thought I knew every iteration of, like, possible ship names. What the heck is Redfire? So apparently Ruby and Neil could have been an item. No. Have they even that's met? No, that's Beowulf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the ship name for that is Beowulf. That's name, Jeremy. That's awesome. I was thinking about how, you know, the happy endings are supposed to come back, and that's the whole point of... The Savior coming, um, even though that was in the pilot, and we don't necessarily hold this show to everything that was said in the pilot. We've seen this before, and it doesn't necessarily mean that all hope is lost. The first thing I thought of is Dan, like when Daniel died and Reg- Regina was heartbroken, and she still now is having a chance for a happy ending, and Daniel is telling her to love again. And that kind of all ties in with that theme of all is not ever really lost and that there's always, you know, a chance to make something better. Um, And it even reminds me of like a quote from Harry Potter where Dumbledore says, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times. If only one remembers to turn on the light. So I think like, obviously this was sad and it was very emotional. And there are people who are, don't even want to watch the show anymore, but I think that there's, still a chance for a happy ending for obviously everybody, like unless they bring Neil back, which I don't, I hope they (laughs) don't do that just because they're breaking their own rules, but bad stuff happens. And that doesn't necessarily mean that your life is over. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that you can never be happy again. So that's a theme of the show too. Like look at what Emma's gone through in her life and everybody, every character on the show has had so much stuff happen to them in their lives. And they're still like pushing forward for a happy ending and it's still within their reach. That's the whole theme of the show. So I do think that we're still going to be able to see that play out and that all is not lost and that there is still hope for a happy ending. 
Yeah. It just might not be the happy ending that we're currently envisioning. Well, we have talked a lot about this, and I know that we it's impossible to represent everything that's out there, but that's where you can go to our forums at com slash forums and continue to the discussion. If you'd like to, you can read all thousand pages or more of these different <laughs> topics. And Jacqueline, you do a great job moderating the forums. Thank you very much for being involved over there. No problem. And we'll have Hunter and Jacqueline sharing some spoilers with us after the music closes this podcast out. But please definitely send us your feedback on the next episode of Once Upon a Time. We're finished now in the podcast talking about quiet minds, but we would love your feedback for future episodes of One's Podcast. So please email with the title of the episode you're writing about in the subject line to feedback at onespodcast.com or leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or you can send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. Please follow us on Twitter at oncepodcast and each of us individually. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. I'm Hunter on Twitter. I'm at Bit of Pixie Dust. And I'm Jacqueline and I'm on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. And this podcast couldn't be possible without our great team of people helping us out. Big thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episode, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers. You'll get to hear those in just a little bit. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Jacob for helping with screenshots, Aliescape and Aaron Jay for moderating the chat rooms, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, Jacqueline for hosting the podcast together. And for you, being part of this community. And like always, I want to remind you of something very important. And that is that no one is working as hard as you are right now. I mean, you're creating a new person and I'm not letting you have this baby without me. But thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks for our supporters for this episode of One's Podcast. If you'd like to contribute either a one-time or automatic ongoing donation, please visit oncepodcast.com slash sponsor or start your website today for just a few dollars per month at oncepodcast.com slash bluehost. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here. And Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time. Season 3, episode 16, It's Not Easy Being Green, is written by Andrew Chambliss and directed by Mario Van Peebles. With Rumpelstiltskin as her slave, Zelina challenges Regina to a fight to the death and shocks the evil queen with the reveal of their family connection, and the town lays Neil to rest. Meanwhile, back in the past in the land of Oz, a jealous Zelina asks the wizard to send her to fairytale land after discovering that she has a sister, Regina, and that Rumpelstiltskin is training her to become a powerful force to be reckoned with. And now we've got a couple guest stars returning that we've already seen before, such as Keegan Connor Tracy as the Blue Fairy or Mother Superior. We have Rose McIver back as Tinkerbell and Christopher Gorm back as Walsh. We also have Adrian Hugh as Woodcutter and Maria Marlowe as Wife.
Yeah, and you notice who's not listed? The wizard. I know. Does that that you know what that makes me think of? It is Walsh the wizard. Walsh has to be the wizard, I think. Like that's I was reading it and reading it, and I kept going back. I'm like, am I missing someone in this guest star list? And nope. So I'm kind of thinking that it's Walsh. So do I. And I think the um, maybe that the wood cutter and his wife raised Zelina. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. Have you nope. seen the promo for this? Absolutely. I saw both the American and the Canadian pre- promo. It kind of reminds me of like shootout at the OK Corral. I, I Wild Wild West, and I, yeah. I started doing it, and I started singing um, that Will Smith song, Wild Wild West, when I was doing it. <laughs> the promotional pictures for this episode came out, and the big match between Regina and Zelina, they're both wearing gloves, and they look like they're literally going to have a magical boxing match or something. And it's a it's, showdown at sunset. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There's going to be like a tumbleweed that blows by right beforehand. They have to. They have to. Just because it would make it so much better. Absolutely. Okay, so Zelina's no longer hiding. So we all know she's the Wicked Witch of the West. She puts on her hat. And then it looks like she bursts into Granny's. Yeah. And everyone's there mourning the death of Neil. I don't know if it's like after the funeral. You know how like everyone goes out to eat or something. That could yeah. be it, or they're having the wake at Granny's. But according to the Canadian preview, this is when she says to Regina that she, that they are sisters. Mm-hmm. So, that like that's a lot to take in. It's going to be a really good episode. I think it's. I think it's going to be one of those episodes that answers a lot of questions. Yes, because we're going to take a good look into her history. So yeah, we're going to go to Oz. <laughs> Yes, and we're going to find out how she turned green and what she really wants. Yes. And that's according to Edward Kitsis. He said that about this episode. And Rumpel's still under control of the Wicked Witch. Regina slaps Zelina. Yeah. That looks powerful. That's about. Mm hmm. Um, We've got Hook is still being the good guy, and it looks like he's keeping Henry away from all the danger and protecting him. Yes. uh, I believe that. The Henry and Hook scenes take place on the beach. And from what we can gather, they're probably talking about Neil and Hook is telling Henry about his father. Mm-hmm. Without, and, you know, the whole Neverland. Right. <laughs> we were in Neverland together. <laughs> I am Captain Hook. See this? By the way. <laughs> I don't like crocodiles. Um, <laughs> sorry. I just watched the tink- the new Tinkerbell movie, too, and he's in it. But anyway. Um <laughs> There's lots of magic being used, so this is going to be, I think, a very powerful episode with all the magic. Um, and then in the Canadian preview, Rumples thinks that Zelina is more powerful than Regina, and Regina's quoted as saying this. So I think maybe Zelina just has, isn't as trained as Regina was. Yeah, I think we're going to find out that Rumple gives up on Zelina for some reason, and that's maybe part of this whole revenge plot. Mm-hmm. I've watched that Canadian promo like five times. There's a scene where Rumpel is coming out of the basement. Zelina sent mm. someone up, and I think that's what he said. If you watch the Canadian preview, it's like in the middle. And he's coming out of the storm cellar. That's the word I was looking for. And okay. It, it, it sounds like Zelina said, and I think he said the name, but I couldn't hear it. And my husband said, I can't understand it. It was, It's a very bad recording. 
but it's still, right. you get to see it. But it's just like, so I think Zelina sent someone up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this came out yesterday and yesterday was April's April Fool's Day. And for the longest time, we actually thought it was a practical joke until TV Guide confirmed it in their um, first look section of their magazine. There is a picture of Zelina and Rumpel in an incredibly passionate embrace. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that he's not the father. Not the father. <laughs> <laughs> not the daddy. Not the daddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was kind of disturbing. I did see that. So I don't know, though, if it's her more so than him because he loves Belle, but she has control over him. Yes, I think we're looking at a dagger situation where she's forcing him to do something. The stuff that just came through is for the season finale, uh, 322, No Place Like Home. Megan Ori will be back. She is on set as Little Red Riding Hood. Emma is wearing fairy tale land clothing. She's wearing a very beautiful ball gown and I think a cape. Ooh. Um, yes. And then Hook has himself a new outfit. He has more than one outfit? He apparently does. <laughs> and okay. this picture just came out about an hour ago. And he's wearing like a brown trench coat. And the way that the um, Hook fans over at the forums are calling it is Reformed Pirate. Awesome. Yeah. And then I guess we could say that there's a big casting decision probably going to be made if once is picked up for a fourth season. It looks like Michael Sosha might be joining us. Yay! Yay! Will. So for for those of you that don't watch Wonderland, he plays Will, also the Knave of Hearts on that show. So it looks like he'll be coming home. Yes. That's for th- exciting. Yeah, for those of you that don't watch Wonderland, he already has an apartment here in Once. He has been seen in Once. So it's like, I don't know. If, we don't know if Alice will be joining him, but it right. does look like he will be coming over to our show. Well, I actually have one additional casting announcement. So for the episode Kansas 320, they cast Karen Holness as the Good Witch of the North. And we got that from IMDb. Yay. More Oz. More Oz. So we've got Glinda and now the Good Witch of the North. Yeah. And if you've read the books, she's not a major character. Not at Um, all. Yeah. she. (laughs) I believe Dorothy runs into her first, but... They really sort of put her and Glinda together in the 1939 MGM movie. Yeah, in the book, um, right after the house falls on the Wicked Witch of the East, the Good Witch of the North is one of the ones that comes and says, oh, you need to go to this. Yeah. So you take the silver slippers and go find, (laughs) go to Oz. Okay, and that's all I have. So thanks for listening. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.